Welcome to episode number 41 of Taking You to the Top. Today's guest is the founder and CEO of Anya. Anya helps knowledge work SMEs and startups see how the company feels and come up with the best solutions together to design its future. They achieve this through a chatbot that surveys employees daily, a dashboard accessible to all in the company, and excellent customer service that goes above and beyond to help you create a great place to work. Join Rami in welcoming him to the show. If you have any questions for our guest today, please leave them in the comment section below. Also, if you'd like to get more data on any of our guests, please download the Taking You to the Top app from our website. That being said, we hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Taking You to the Top. In this podcast, Rami spends time speaking with founders and CEOs from across the globe and asks them specific questions to learn exactly how they built and launched their businesses. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn. Are you ready to take it to the top? Right, um, Hamad. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's episode number forty-one of taking you to the top. Nice one. Good, good to be with you, Rami. Thank you for the invitation. My pleasure. So, Hamad, to get us started, if you could please introduce yourself, take us back from the beginning, tell us where you're from, where your journey started, and how that journey led you to founding your company. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, I'm Hamad Alboudi, the uh, founder and CEO of Anya. And in terms of my origins, I'm actually French-Egyptian, grew up up as well in the UK, uh, went to university there. So I've been quite lucky from the earliest parts of my life and all through my life to have these various international influences that led me to always understand, you know, why people thinking a certain way, why are they doing things a certain way. So that international openness has been like really powerful. And so, you know, what, what brought me to build my company? Well, I always had this kind of thing inside me that said, well, I don't want to be part of the status quo. I, want to be, I don't want to be doing something that someone else can do. Um, I want to bring something new. And so kind of my life journey for like the past 10 years has been figuring out what is this something new uh, that I want to bring to the world, you know, various successes sure. and failures. And so about you know, two years ago, I'm a really good uh, guy called uh, Jason who'd uh, uh-huh. come up with this uh, uh, framework called Design Company. And so we started uh, pottering along and about a year ago, we were just talking together. We were kind of going through an iteration of uh, something we were testing at the time. And we had this, you know, this magical moments which happens uh-huh. with like a friend or a business partner where like you're having a, a chat or a conversation and you have that aha moment. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. Like Absolutely. it's those moments where like you're making a big decision, a small decision, but something has happened that you both accept that this is the new reality. And so that was what happened for us. We realized that essentially the core, most important thing today is getting people to actually talk with each other. And so I'll be happy to go more into depth later, but in a nutshell, the whole thing that we're aiming at is building open, transparent, honest communication and not just keeping that communication in terms of like having a lovely convo, but then integrating that into actual direct operational impact. Okay, so I'm guessing that is what Anya is about. So if you wouldn't mind uh, telling us what the company does and what you're trying to achieve. 
Exactly. So uh, I'd love to go into that. But just before, um, sure. one thing I always like to do, Rami, is kind of look at the state of the art or the current state of affairs in the world, right? Okay. So if you look at the way most technologies have, most technology companies have been built um, in the past 20 years, let's say, notwithstanding people like Amazon or Google have created new behaviors, most technology right. companies have just been digitizing existing physical processes. Right. I, th I, think, I think that's not a controversial thing to say, right? But the whole point is, if you're doing that, then what you're doing is you're actually missing out on the whole point of digital. And the whole point of digital is not just to save time, it's to create new forms of social relationships between humans. So, example, I'm sure that right now, Rami, on your WhatsApp, you've spoken to people in at least two or three different countries today. Absolutely, yes. That wouldn't have been possible 20 years ago, right? And so only a multinational corporation could have done this. So that's really what we're going for here with Anya. It's like redefining these social relationships. So how are we doing that? Well, we're, we're in a field that we're calling augmented team intelligence. Now, this is not some tech buzzwords. It's just kind of the simplest, most direct way we found to explain it. So what is augmented team intelligence? Well, in a nutshell, what we're all about is getting micro feedback from across the company, from across mm -hmm. various areas, and then getting that into one place that everyone can see it. So, you know, there's a lot of companies out there doing like, you know, micro surveys, wellness. I'm sure these themes are familiar to you, right? Right. Right. So what makes us different is that we're using this really cool model called design company. And so the whole idea of design company is to say, okay, cool. You know, management consulting is great. MBAs are great. HR consultants are great. But very often we're now, in, it's kind of like in the, in the times of antiquity, right? You'd have like the priests who knew everything about the religious practice but then the common citizen would feel very left out and would have to rely on the priests for understanding what's going on, right? Sure. And so if you look at companies today, there's been a big, big rise in you know, management consulting, which can be very valuable, uh, you know, consulting services, various specializations where we're seeing a lot of PowerPoints, complex concepts thrown out, a lot of which right. are useful, but which aren't accessible and engaging to the average employee, right? And I'm not saying sure. the average employee is dumb, I'm just saying the average employee doesn't have time to go and get an MBA on top of their existing responsibilities, right? Right. So what we do with design company, it's essentially seven areas in this order. So purpose, people, systems, innovation, products, money, and growth. And so that covers the whole company nicely, right? And this is the key thing, is that essentially we're touching the whole company. We're not just asking people, are you depressed? You know, could things be better? Oh, here's like some random feature to like, come up with useless ideas for the company. It's really going down to the operational core, getting that micro feedback in 10, 15 seconds via a chat bot, getting that in one place, and then not just making it available to HR or to the CEO, but making it available to, to everyone. Because we have this idea that ultimately you want people to be responsible in a good way. And so if everybody sees what's going wrong, rather than one executive report, then generally speaking, people are gonna be more incentivized to band together and solve that problem. Right, I have one question here because I have actually seen something similar to this. Yeah. Um, if you're aware of um, the Bridgewater uh, Investment Group, uh, basically they have a similar Ray, thing, but Ray they Dalio. do it. Ray Dalio, absolutely. Yeah. So, so he has actually, a similar idea. Yeah. So we actually did a we actually did a design company podcast episode. We called it Radical Transparency Without Ray Dalio. Um, Marie, if you're listening, it is definitely on our roadmap to uh, be working with you one of these days. Perfect.
Well, I guess the question that comes to mind here is um, how do you get around the fact that, you know, when, when things are not anonymous, when people are writing things on a sort of a dashboard or a forum and they yeah. know that everybody is going to know it's coming from them, then they sort of scale down a bit. You know, they, they don't tell you exactly what they're feeling or exactly what they need to change in the company. Hmm. Is there so a way actually, around that? Um, what, what we Sorry, could you repeat that, Remy? I lost you there. Yeah, I was saying, is there is there a way around this to allow people to be more open when they're, you know, yeah, so telling actually, the entire company? No, no, but that's an interesting question you you raised, Remy. So I'll go first on like the most fundamental answer to that. And for us, anonymity. It's not about kind of people potentially getting fired or thing. I mean, that, that can happen. So obviously that's why we have it in there, but that's not really where to go. For us, it's like kind of a next level way of thinking, which is usually in a company, you know, if you look at like the companies you worked in, in the past, your friends have worked in, there are always naturally people that you like more and people you like less, right? Sure. And so even if you have a good sense of critical thinking, it's just a natural human tendency to always favor the ideas of people that you appreciate and you know to have a more critical view in the negative sense of people they don't appreciate right? right the whole goal of anonymity inside annual really at its core is to say let's remove all the interpersonal you know alliances disagreements let's remove all of that let's just accept that a company is a group of people and then let's just let the best idea win okay very simple Okay, and is the company bootstrapped or have you raised capital? Yes, yeah, so I'm doing this old school thing called uh, getting real customers. It's actually <laughs> pretty relaxing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I kind of like a dinosaur technique, but you know, it works pretty well. But no, no, so I mean, for me from day one, uh, my ambition for the company has always been for us to be financially sustainable um, right. and to really be able to, you know, to grow fast, grow sustainably and bring on the right people. Um, sure. So for example, um, one of the things we're doing here is bootstrapping, getting our first customers. We will be um, opening a Series A at some point end of next year. But the really the, the goal that I've told to investors I've already spoken with that have approached us is, you know, we're not against bringing you on board, but basically here's the standard terms of the deal. And, you know, if you want to sign, that's cool. If you don't want, that's cool. And so basically kind of the, what's kind of different where I've gone about building annual on the company building site is the distribution of wealth. So I'm like when I bring in the shareholders that I've you know, made various promises to, um, mm -hmm. I'll actually own only about half of the company by that point. And like the, the money in my pocket will be very small. It's just like I'm selling it to them at the price I paid for incorporating the company, right? So I'm right. going to be distributing half of economic equity wealth, but I will be keeping supermajority voting rights on a 20 to 1 ratio. Now, what does that mm -hmm. mean? It means that I can actually distribute um, bring more people into the shared wealth of the company, but I can also insulate the company from any politics. And so for me, that's kind of been one of the most important things in life. It's learning to be able to talk with someone, have a disagreement, understand why they're saying what they're saying, and then integrate whatever they've said to various degrees within my decision-making. But by going through this process with Anya, what we're gonna create is an environment where people can just say whatever they think is best, because there is no political came behind it. Right. No, no, I totally get it. Um, uh, in a nutshell, well, to answer your bootstrap question. Right. But was there any seed round? 
I know you mentioned no, no, a Series no. A in the future, but... No, no, so the, yeah, we'll be raising five mil. So the whole point why we're calling it Series A is really to send a message that we're going to skip the seed and we just want to raise a nice five million growth round in about a year's time. Okay, the, the only reason I'm asking is when I did my research, it's showing a seed round, but yeah, I'm not but sure was, what that, that is. That, that was just me putting my own money in the company and putting us on crowdfunding. Uh, okay. Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perfect. So uh, you could say I, there was a seed investor, which was myself, but, uh, you know, that's just like one of the many startup founder hats, basically. Awesome. I like that. Okay, so this, it was 11.2K, am I correct? Yeah, some, something like that. Yeah, yeah about 10,000 euros. Okay, so if you wouldn't mind, I mean, where did you originally put that money into? Was it into the development or no. into hiring? So, so actually, Rami, the, the company was incorporated only a couple months ago. And the reason I did that is because before that was about a year of uh, research and development. And so right. the best investment I made is not this 10,000 euros. That's like peanuts. No, the real investment I made is that two years ago, I was working at a company. I was very unhappy. And uh, I got inspired to start learning to code because I was like, well, this is a skill I need. I need to right. do this. And so the technology we have today uh, with Anya is actually 98% built by myself. And so what that learning to code has given me is independence from needing investors to hire developers, independence from like needing to find a technical founder, ability to talk with customers and prospects and really understand their issues, but actually also the ability to really talk with the uh, incoming engineering hires and be able to speak with them on a level like having gone through their job and really understanding how things are. Okay. No, I mean, so, I... Yeah, I... I completely agree with that, but the, uh, so where did you end up spending the money? Oh, well, literally it's just been like, you know, stuff like incorporation, uh, okay. you know, various SaaS tools. So really like, if you look at Anya, the way we're structured as a company, I can pretty much guarantee that 95, 90 to 95% of our costs are going to be people. So the kind of organization we're running is extremely lean. So for example, um, I would say there's about five or five or six people in the core team. Uh, we don't have promise agreements in place. These people I've known for many years. We have contracting agreements in place, right? But for me, anyway, the barrier between employment and, you know, contractual team member is kind of going away. So obviously, we'd like to have the right people employed in future. But ultimately, for me, it's just about bringing on the right people, making sure I understand their motives, and then giving them whatever they need to succeed. Um, mm -hmm. And so really, you know, in terms of the compensation policy we're putting in place, is going to be very favorable. Um, I think everybody will find uh, it's a good one for them. Okay, got it. And the six core team members, um, how are they split split up? So we're really we're really between uh, engineering and sales, right? So I have this kind of philosophy. Okay. We're in the stage right now. It's like either you're building products, either you're selling, either you're probably not here. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that, that that's kind of how we have the team. So you know we have a salesperson. We also do have a, a, a subject matter expert who's helping us with go-to-market in one of the niches that we're targeting. Uh, you know, we have a country manager, we have a partner, Jason, who's really good in terms of UX and design company, helping us ensure the whole ecosystem makes sense. So right. really what I'm enjoying the most is like having like people with different skills from around the world, um, essentially working together and just making things happen. That's what I enjoy the most. So people with different skills, making stuff happen. Okay, so they're not all based at HQ, they're spread around? No, I'm actually the only person in uh, Grenoble. So we have uh, we have people in France, UK, Nigeria, okay. and um, one other country which is slipping my mind. 
<laughs> no problem. Um, and would you say you have like a go-to marketing channel to spread the word about your company when you were first starting? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, even, you know, now it's something we've been going through, but for us, what's worked quite well is, um, I mean, especially if you're like at a company that's like in the early stages, uh, as we are and, you know, have been, is right. really understanding, you know, who will benefit the most and then really going in and speaking to them on a personal level. I mean, I know this sounds so basic and so maybe repeated, but I think it's really important to like, you know, when you're starting up, find literally at the top 50, 100 people that would be the best fit for your solution get in touch with them, understand what their world looks like, and then from there, see how you can help them. So actually, one year ago, for example, um, before, we, before, we, before we learned everything we'd learned this past year, we kind of started on workplace wellness. And so what I did was, okay, you know what? I'm going to write a white paper or an ebook about this topic, uh, yeah. which uh, I'll be happy to share the links. It actually got some really good reviews. Sure. Um, I'm going to write something about this. So I, I want to find this ranking, you know, great places to work 2020, uh, 2019 in France. Uh, got the uh, top 20 companies, you know, emailed most of them. So about mid-sized companies. And I had yep. like a 25% cold email to meeting ratio with no dropouts. Wow, that's good. That's, sure. that's pretty, that, you know, we've both, I'm sure, been in various sales of uh, responsibilities for our life. You know uh -huh. a good metric when you see one, right? Absolutely, I do. Yeah, well, we, we, I, don't, I don't see these numbers. 25%? No chance. Yeah, so again, <laughs> this was a very small sample, right? right. Um, and so actually, that's what, that's what we're reiterating uh, now this September, which I think is going to work pretty well. So we're really working now, like we're reiterating this approach on executives, you know, so breaking through the executive bubble. So if you think about, let's say, let's say like, you know, so the annual target is a company with at least a couple hundred employees uh, or a business unit of an enterprise. And so I'll give you an example. You know, let's say like you're a CEO of a startup. I mean, now, for example, with my whole team, I can WhatsApp everyone in the day. I can have a long conversation. We can mm -hmm. even have lunch together if we're in the same place. It's easy to have that full communication and nearly full visibility between everyone. It's not perfect, but it's doable. But once you get to 100, 150 people, you have those layers of management in the middle and you just don't have time anymore to, right. you know, get down to people and just have those casual conversations, you know? both sure. because of time and also because you're now, you know, CEO of an organization that's established. So there's a sort of aura where, you know, where people are kind of impressed with speaking to you, if you see what I mean. Right. No, no, I get it. Exactly. So that's, that's, re that's really our aim then. So it's to go in, you know, talk with various executives um, in this uh, campaign we're doing now, understand what their executive bubble looks like, how they've broken through it. Um, and then they'll be receiving a report as well as the uh, annual fork uh, alongside Willits. So we're just okay. like always looking to give value before even working with them. Perfect. And you, you usually get in touch with them through LinkedIn. I'm not sure if I, I missed uh, the yeah, actual yeah. So marketing. Just in, terms of like, just in terms of like, yeah, very operational, pragmatic approach. If you're in B2B with a, you know, kind of a mid-market, you know, mid-sized contract size. So we're like kind of on a lower five-figure annual contract value up okay. to higher amounts if it's a much larger firm. So for those amounts, you're definitely looking at, you know, it could be a shorter sales cycle, but at least a couple of meetings. So I would just say, you know, invest that $80 a month in LinkedIn Sales Navigator, you know, mm -hmm. go there, drill down into your target niche, find your right prospects, figure out the messaging that works for them, that connects with them, figure out how you can give them value. You know, what is it that they're interested in? Right. And uh, from there, things should uh, work out. I mean, I have this one company that I'm building a relationship with, and I had, again, in business, what I really love 
and you know what I'm experiencing and learning and will experience is there's all the kind of daily stuff that you do and then throughout days there's going to be just like there's one-off exponential things that happen you know what I mean yeah, yeah. no no I, I get it and actually exactly. I should have really asked earlier but what is the actual revenue model I mean is it yes, like so a SaaS based exactly okay got it exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just before I say yeah, just exponential things. So, to finish off yeah. LinkedIn, I was reaching out to people, you know, trying different messages. And then, um, you know, I reached out this one message to a CEO of a 600 person company. And he took time to hit me back with like a proper monologue about how he's setting everything up. And so, okay. for me, I was like, okay, I finally found something that they care about. So, this is now something that's worth investing resources in. So, yeah, for anybody who's finding the market out there, give value. Iterate, figure out what makes sense to your counterparts' world, and then once you figure that out, go all in. Perfect. Okay, Hamad, um, this next section is to sort of understand problems that you may have faced either recently or in the beginning. I mean, do you have a very clear present problem that you wish could be solved with like some sort of a, a solution that somebody could come up with? Interesting question. Um, I would say there's always problems, but I'm pretty happy with where things are going. So for us right now, it's just about making sure our marketing is going well, that we're getting, we're building new, uh, new conversations, you know? So I guess if right. there was like somebody that could like sort me out at all, that I'd just be like, okay, here's, here's the kind of people I'm interested in, sort me out, make sure I'm on top of them. So kind of like a CRM, but like one that's already set up and like all I have to do is just say, you know, give me this information and then make sure, make sure I'm on top of stuff. Okay, got it. All right, Mohammed, if you don't mind, uh, we'll wrap up with the famous five. Okay, sounds good. All right, so number one, what's your favorite business book? Favorite business book? There's quite a few of them. I'll recommend two. <laughs> uh, one of them is uh, Outliers. I don't remember by whom. But it's a really good book about eight unconventional CEOs and the kind uh -huh. of ways. So the book is more like CEOs from like the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, but really good insights into people that kind of went against the normal corporate uh, understanding and did really well for themselves. Second one is uh, Business Adventures. Uh, actually, it's uh, on the Bill Gates favorite list as well. Right. Um, really good book that goes, I think it's 12 chapters. So 12 different business stories of their successes and failures. And so it's just really interesting case study. Okay, and the first book, um, do you remember if the, the author's name is Malcolm Gladwell? It could have been, I had him on the tip of my tongue, yes. Okay, great. All right, um, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? So I'm kind of focused on our own business, but there are definitely some CEOs that I appreciate for, for what they've done. Sure. Um, so first one, this is more of a national one, but I would definitely say the, the CEO of Doctrine. So Doctrine is a French legal tech. And uh, uh -huh. what's really awesome is that they came into the market two or three years ago. You know the legal publishing market where like lawyers look for like case law and this kind of stuff? So that was like a very antiquated offering. Doctrine okay. came in and just like took over the market in France. And second one, Elon Musk, not for the fanboy side, just because I like the way that he builds businesses from first principles. And I think first principles thinking is a really key skill to pick up in a world with a lot and lot and lot more information. Okay, uh, can you just repeat the name of the first company? Yeah, Doctrine, Doctrine, D-O-C-T-R-I-N-E. Ah. 
Got it. All right. And uh, number three, what would you say is your favorite online tool for growing your business? Hmm. Definitely say, definitely say LinkedIn. Honestly, like, you know, I'm using it to connect with people, you know, identify new people to meet. So, you know, they, they, they've set up something useful there. Nice work, Microsoft and the founders. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, number four, if you could give your 20-year-old self a piece of advice, what would it be? Learn to code, invest in Bitcoin. Learn to code, invest in Bitcoin. Heavily. <laughs> <laughs> and the final question how many hours of sleep do you get every night eight hours eight hours a night i like to be rested take time for myself and then go all in during the day amazing well Mohammed, thank you so much for joining me today it's been an absolute pleasure i hope to have a follow-up call with you a year from now to see where anya has grown pleasure Ami. It'll, be, uh, it'll be a good one i'm looking forward to it absolutely thank you so much for your time Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on any of the available podcast platforms so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. If you have an extra minute, leaving a review would help us grow.